Hello, friends. It's Leo from the Dose Wellness Show. Join me today on Brony Studio and on Spotify as I traverse through the world of well-being, speaking to students, academics, and people of all walks of life as they share the stories of overcoming hurdles to create the ideal life. Catch me every Friday with a new guest, a new story, and new perspectives. Hope you enjoy. Today in the studios, we've got Izzy. She's going to talk about life after uni graduation, living with ADHD, depression, anxiety, and working in a grad job. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Leo. Um, Well, as you mentioned, I'm a recent psych graduate, so I'm hoping to just talk a little bit about my experience transitioning from university to the corporate world, um, particularly as well switching jobs and actually getting a promotion within that time and how I've transitioned during that stressful but also very exciting opportunity. Hopefully, I'm able to kind of reference some material and also some studies that I've learned throughout my time at university to kind of put that in a more contextual aspect where people can actually take on board that research and try to help them be that through mental illness or how they can have positive psychology and actually contribute to their mental health. Just share a little bit about myself and hopefully it can relate to people. Yeah, we want to hear all about your life experiences and personal stories. So can you tell me what's so hard you know, transitioning between uni and graduation, like what are things that young adults have to face? Because, you know, high school to uni is a huge transition. A lot of kids have Mm. to like move out from home and they have to like learn how to be more independent, take care of themselves. And then, you know, in uni, uh, there's a lot more independence as well. People form their own schedules and, you know, they're responsible for handing in their own assignments. There's no one really looking over your shoulder. That's one transition itself. But what about uni to, you know, grad job? Um, That's a great question. Thanks so much for that. In some respects, you've mentioned a few things already where you still kind of have to have that level of accountability and that level of independence when you move forward going into the corporate world. But it is in a very different context. So at university, we have, I think, the opportunity, most of us, I'd like to say, to be flexible and organize our own schedules, as you've mentioned. But a lot of the time with full-time work, you generally have to work either from eight to four or nine to five. And for night hours like me coming from a bartending job, that was a huge transition. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds really tough. Go yeah, on. yeah. But um, amazingly, after some time, I was able to adjust to it. But even just the sheer work that you're doing. So you're working approximately 37 and a half hours a week, which most of us wouldn't be used to. We use, do full-time study or sometimes part-time study alongside some casual work as well. But as you mentioned, it's quite flexible and you can kind of try and balance and juggle that a little bit. Whereas with work, you're coming into a completely new environment and there's this expectation of a certain number of hours that you need to do. And obviously the quality of work that you need to deliver that you might not necessarily have known before coming into the corporate world. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fatigue and it sounds very tiring sometimes. And I guess you would have to you would need like a period of adjustment, right? Definitely. Um, I graduated in December last year and then moved quite early on to work in January. So it's, it's about a month, which I thought was a lot of time, but I definitely didn't realize how much the transition would take a toll on me. And even just then you're working with people who are in all ranges of demographics and different levels. ages, definitely. different backgrounds. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's in the professional environment. So generally when you're hanging out with your peers in a class or a tutorial or a lecture, they're your friends. And so you can be quite open and candid with one another. And and I'm not saying that you can't do that with your colleagues, but you are in a professional environment and I'm in a client facing role as well. So there's definitely a level of expectation, uh, expectation to do well, but also to really make sure that you present yourself well too. And that wasn't something that 
I really, I guess, was aware of coming into the corporate world. And on top of that, as you've mentioned, different ages, there's people that I've worked with who've been doing these kind of stuff. I'm in consulting, who've been consulting for 20, 30 years, but they're your colleagues. They are your seniors, but being able to just have conversations with them is quite insane, but also quite intimidating at the same time. Just trying to get over that and understanding that you're in a position to learn. It's just really, it just takes a lot of time to kind of wrap your head around that. And do you find like the senior staff and partners like approachable in, you know, the consulting world? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, I'm specifically at KPMG and I found that the partners and the senior staff members there are really easy to speak to. It's just that initial step of kind of realizing that they're in a very high up position and just puckering up the courage to actually walk up to them and say hi to them and to introduce yourself. That's not really a a skill or something that we generally do in a university context. Maybe we do that with some of our profs, but it's in a very different environment. Yeah, like a professional environment. So I guess, you know, there is a very clear hierarchy or like you see them as, you know, like leaders or I guess sometimes I, I would almost feel a bit fearful. Like, I mean, it's a bit irrational, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I mean, so for you personally, what struggles did you have? Like you told me about the general situation with the uni graduates are like, but can you tell me more about your personal battles and like the hurdles you came across earlier this year? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I have mental illness. I've been quite open about that, but I guess this is my first time being kind of more open about it on a public forum. And yeah, I hope that that will hopefully allow people to feel that they can speak up about it. And yeah, hopefully... feel less shame and less stigma as well. That's right, yeah. yeah. Particularly coming from an Asian background, I totally understand that um, stigma around mental health. And I think I've been very fortunate to have quite a supportive family and assisting That's great me to with hear. that. Yeah, thank you. So I have specifically anxiety. I have um, depressive episodes and I also have ADHD. Um, and one of the things I guess I didn't expect is that because we work in such a structured environment, sometimes when you don't, work in a certain I guess normative manner people don't quite understand what that looks like and what I mean by that is that um, with my ADHD I very much like you know being able to walk up and walk around in pace and I'm a big thinker on my feet and sometimes if you're working an office job nine to five it, it kind of looks like you're slacking off or you're not doing work um, and so after um so um no, no, that's fine. Please. Yeah. I, I Take your time, Izzy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank After... you so much. Yeah. And so um, that was something that I didn't really anticipate coming into the corporate world because when you're at university, you're doing things quite independently. People don't really take much notice yeah, of what you're yeah. doing, what you say. But now you're in an environment where I guess people are, are looking for who are the great employees, who are people that we want to get yeah, promoted. Yeah, it's really competitive. It is, it is, um, 100%. And, you know, particularly working in like big four firms, you're, you've got those certain personality types, right, who are kind of type A. Yeah, type organized. A, type B, yeah. controlling, follower, <laughs> and, you know, 16 personalities and, you know, Myers-Briggs and, you know, um, <laughs> Pexaco and big five inventory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, you've done your research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I study psych as well. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm so okay. embarrassed. Not okay. That. It's okay. <laughs> okay. No, but you were saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, a part of that was just being very open with myself in terms of what my struggles were and having the courage to be able to have those open and candid conversations with people that I was working with. Like with your superiors and higher yeah, ups and even your colleagues, definitely. so that they wouldn't, like, you know, think. I don't know, judge you or 
yeah, think well, badly of you because they didn't so, understand what you're doing. That's right. And I think yeah. I just took it as a point as well to just have the chance to be able to educate people. Sometimes a lot of the time stigma comes from a lot of ignorance, um, despite being in the 21st century. And, you know, there's a lot of awareness now about different mental health conditions. I think sometimes some people are still unaware, particularly if it hasn't touched their own lives personally or the lives of the ones they love. And so just being able to have this open conversations, but assuring that that not in any way will negate the work that I do. And even research has shown that people with disabilities, they actually work a lot harder to be able to meet targets um, rather than those who I guess you would call normal. Not, not, that's the incorrect term, but those people who don't have disabilities um, because of the fact that they've been given that opportunity, they want to be able to prove themselves. And so I've really, unfortunately, I have dis- I experienced discrimination throughout my life due to my mental illness. Um, and that has resulted that's in... That's tough to hear. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. unfortunate. So what, what, what did that include? Yeah. Um, so it was just, as you've mentioned, just judgment, not understanding and jumping to conclusions about certain things that I did, how I reacted to situations, and just not understanding that despite the fact that I had anxiety and mental illness and depression that that wasn't affecting my work it was just affecting the matter of how I was working and that didn't mean that I was producing anything Mm, less it was just because of the fact that I worked differently and that didn't happen like that's not at KPMG that's just over the course of my life I've come to the fact that even though we like to pride ourselves on the fact that we're quite open about mental health dialogue it's not always necessarily the case when it comes to implementable action um and so I've just really taken a forward step being part of the corporate citizenship committee at KPMG, being part of the mental health space specifically, just trying to really destigmatize that and be really open about my own experiences. And hopefully that will give people the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds good. It sounds like you're moving forward and you found like a great space to, you know, be accepted for who you are and to thrive and be your best and to be the best version of yourself. Despite your mental health, you can still function really, really well and you can contribute to, you know, a company and have so much yeah it's really really meaningful so you know going back rewinding a little bit for sure like can you tell me more about like how people judged you when you were working like can you specify the situations yeah yeah Yeah. um it was just things as I mentioned like if I get up to pace I walk around people would make the assumption that I wasn't working okay um you know things like I seemed um distracted when it was more I was actually just operating in a way where I've think I thought better on my feet and that might come from the fact that I worked as a bartender for four years you know we're always standing on our feet and I like to be active I don't I don't like I don't think very well when I'm stagnant and so um just judgments like that and making assumptions about me based on stereotypical symptoms or traits that they may know about certain mental illnesses like anxiety or depression you know if they saw that I might have been reacting in a certain way they thought that that was my anxiety playing up and I wasn't able to think properly when it was just me being myself and just making certain comments about how I was getting work done when I was still producing really good work and so I felt unnecessarily judged Um, And also put in a situation where I couldn't open up about my situation. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like at any stage during those negative experiences at certain workplace, did you you ever raise this with a higher up or, you know, your supervisor? And what was your reaction? Yeah. Was it like that negative? Are you saying that like? Yeah, it was was quite negative that a a lot of other superior staff members um, and that was just kind of the tip of the iceberg of what I experienced in, in what I'm sharing. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Um, 
few other senior staff members actually spoke up on my behalf, but also did encourage me to find a place where I could thrive and that I could actually feel safe and be able to have those open conversations without feeling that they're going to be used against me or there's any unsubstantiated claims that would be held against me as well. And so I did, I did reach out, but what I found is just, unfortunately, it wasn't the place for me. Um, it could be a cultural difference. I'm quite passionate about So this is inclusion. not a KPMG listeners, by the way. It's, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it was place. at a different workplace. Yes, yes. Um, and what surprised me actually was that having a chat to other staff members it's not uncommon at all. And that might be discrimination, different forms, not just in mental illness, but particularly in that space when people might have had a bad day. Unfortunately, one of the days that I was quite upset and one of my friends was sexually assaulted the day before, hence why I was distressed. Oh, that sounds really awful. It was, yeah. 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 And I think, you know, anyone yeah, would feel yeah, quite distressed hearing yeah, that news yeah, and not, sure. not being able to do anything about it. And I had explained this, yet it was still used against me when... Um, my performance review came up where I was told that I was distressed on a certain day and I wasn't working as well. And that was the situation at the yeah, time. Yeah, that would be yeah. really upsetting for you, for sure. Yes. Yeah. And so I think it's just really important to have a workplace that sees you as a person and not just as a, a an employee, as a robot. Someone to chug out all the yeah, tasks. that's but right. But actually a person with a beating heart who feels and has emotions. 100%. Yeah, and I think yeah. people just don't realize how powerful emotional intelligence is, particularly yeah, in our sure. line of work. Especially yeah. in consulting. Like it's, it's, we live in a social world and we have to like deal with clients and like stakeholders and other people and colleagues. Mm. And yeah, I think like understanding other people and how they're feeling makes it much easier to, you know, communicate your point across and then makes it more harmonious, I think. Definitely. Like, you know, being able to understand other people and felt understood means that, you know, you're more likely going to achieve common goals and you're not going to like, you know, step on each other's toes and clash with each other. For sure. Yeah. And I think people just don't realize at times. And I'd like to think that particularly my generation moving forward, that we do think. So this... we're talking about Gen Z, right? Yeah. Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. That the success of yeah. others is also your own success. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just being able to support other people and, yeah, 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 for sure. 100%. For yeah. sure. So it seems like you've had some negative experiences in the mm. past. So currently, how does organizations such as consulting firms, KPMG, how do they provide a safe space for employees, like in your case? Mm. And how do you think they could continue providing, you know, for people with disabilities and different circumstances? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks so much for that question. Um, as I mentioned before, inclusion and diversity is a really big thing for me. And so coming into KPMG, that was really something at the forefront of my mind. And I was very forward in my interview about the struggles that I had and also my personal situation. Um, I'm also a carer for my mum. So that flexibility for me was quite important. And I was very upfront about the fact that work is very important. But of course, we we work to support the ones that we love. We, we work to support yeah, our yeah, dreams and goals. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so... I think KPMG, for my, in my, from my personal experience anyway, as someone who I, I would say I'd, I'd like to think of myself as an inclusion diversity champion, um, really has a lot of good measures in place, both formally but also informally. You know, they, they even say things such as that you can work from home, the client site, or from the office and choose which way works best for you. And there won't be any forms of discrimination at all. And that was something that really surprised me and just 
even with the uh, new announcement of um, 26 weeks paid parental leave by the new CEO, Andrew Yates, that was something that a lot of people were really quite happy about. And it just really does foster that inclusive and diverse environment where people can be successful and thrive in an environment, but also they don't neglect other aspects of their life. And it's really flexible at KPMG. There's a lot of initiatives in the DNI space, be that pride at KPMG, corporate citizenship, uh, gender diversity and cultural diversity um, and disability as well. And so for my personal experiences, I've really felt that I've been in a safe environment, being able to speak to my colleagues and my um, superiors and my seniors, just to be able to tell them about my personal situation um so you've been able to like share that you're not feeling particularly good one day and definitely they'll be able to like you know understand and comfort you yes and like, you know lift you up yeah 100 percent. be the best version of yourself yeah. yeah yeah and as one of my other colleagues said you know there's no one that's like there's barely any people in this world i think who has not ever been i guess i wouldn't say scarred scarred's quite a hard word but not affected by the human experience and so that may manifest in several ways including mental health issues and mental illness and we all have our own struggles and our personal battles that we're having and work should be a way to be able to help us in that environment not add to the more stress um, that we're already experiencing and so I I definitely feel that I've been heard and that there are ways moving forward to help me achieve um, to the best of my ability for sure. No, it sounds great. It sounds like there's much greater awareness of like mental health and well-being. Yeah. So that's good to hear. So I mean, what what else do you think companies out there, private or in the public sector could do, you know, for, you know, young graduates Mm. to smooth out transition, A, and then B, for people with disabilities? So what, what do you think? we could even do furthermore? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question because I think there should always be this emphasis on continuous improvement um, so that we don't, you know, become stagnant and we become outdated. Like the world's always changing every day. What can the public service Mm. and private sector do to improve well-being of young graduates? Mm -mm, For sure. Well, I think similar to platforms like this, just being able to have conversations and being able to hear that another person might be experiencing something similar to you or might have done, like gone through something that you you might be going through right now. I think it really just humanizes people. We might see, you know, a partner or a director and think, wow, they've got 20, 30 years experience and they've done all of these amazing things. But then to hear about what they've also experienced to get to where they are now is really just humanizing and it's really inspiring and just really gives you a lot of hope that no matter what you're going through um, and where you are right now, that one day you can achieve it. Definitely. And that there are people around there to support you, but that's also what's really important. I think it's really important that organizations really do listen with empathy and that they don't tell their employees what they're feeling or what's the best solution to get out of that. The best way to get solutions is to actually speak to the people who are experiencing and having that voice and that dialogue. But more importantly, on top of that dialogue, there needs to be actually action that you can actually see quite actively that is being contributed in that space. So for example, the paid parental leave, that definitely is an action that is implementable because of the fact that people can now be paid and not be punished for deciding to have children. And the same should be done, be that in the mental health space, in the disability space. And people should not feel like nuisances. They should not, when we make, when we go out of our way 
to try and help people and assist them. It shouldn't be in a condescending manner or mm. that it seems as if we are being inconvenienced by them because our world very much adheres to what we deem as normative. Perfect example, things such as going to the supermarket, people who might be quite short, might not be able to reach the top shelf or the bottom shelf, things that's just desk, they're at a standard height, but that doesn't mean that that's what's within the scope of what humans are. There are people who need possibly assistance because they're in a wheelchair. There are people with dwarfism who may need assistance there as well. And that those modifications should be made in a way where it can cater to them and, and it shouldn't be deemed as an inconvenience or as a nuisance. And that's what I really just want to try and propagate forward is that there should be that Greater normalness. Tolerance and respect. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like every existence out there be whatever you're experiencing or whatever you're going through is valuable and that's what people need to feel and that yeah, they need to have yeah. their voices heard. For sure, for sure. Going on to another point you mentioned earlier in the interview, you mentioned mental health in the Asian community. So mm. can you tell me what is it that you observe about mental health within the um, Asian community? Is it something that is shoved under the rug, yeah. something that's not really discussed? Yeah. Is it something that they don't have awareness of? Mm. So, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, obviously, um, when I when I speak about what I have to say, I just want to say that I'm not gen like I don't want to generalize. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, just be very open about what I've seen, what I've experienced, sure. um, and you know, friends and friends of friends. But this might not be um, applicable for everyone. Definitely. Like, <laughs> so just want to make sure to that every that's migrant, out child of migrant, yeah, with Asian heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, I've been very fortunate, sure. as I've mentioned. Um, I, I was raised by a single mom, and my mom was really supportive when I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression. But I, I, I do have some other family members who they have nothing against it they just don't quite understand it and so I so how find... don't they understand it do they ask very intrusive questions or are they yeah, very rude about it yeah, or yeah. they're not very un- empathetic yeah I think one thing that I find a lot of my other Asian friends can relate to is that when we say that we might be struggling through something a lot of the time uh it's a physical manifestation like yeah. you broke a leg or hit, got hit by a bus but it could be something internal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So in my case, I'm talking about mental illness. So, you know, you yeah. might say I'm I'm not feeling like I'm feeling quite down these past few weeks. Yeah, now. yeah. Or, you know, I, I don't feel happy or, you know, I just feel really like nervous and anxious and worried about things for several months now. And a lot of the time we're asked, well, you know, why? Like you have X, Y and Z and it's just misconstruing our own words against us and very much just saying, oh, I don't quite understand why do you feel this way when you have all these wonderful things and you live in this beautiful country and you go to a great university or you have a great job. There's very much this understanding where if you have one thing, therefore you cannot have this other negative thing, right? Like surely they will balance out. Um, So I guess it's not so much gray or nuance. It's either or one thing. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I very much do appreciate a lot of the struggles that a lot of Asian individuals have faced trying to come to what they would say is a better country, trying to make a great future for their children. Um, And I think because of those experiences at times, going through such terrible hardships, that sometimes forms as a baseline and can result in negating other people's experiences in the mental health space when that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like the one-up mentality. Like, you know, I suffered so much coming here. I had to, like, work 60 hours or, like, yeah. I came from a war-torn country. Like, Definitely. Yeah, so I think, I guess that's the parents' or grandparents' mentality. Yeah, I, I totally mm. understand that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so it's just, again, just with anything, I think, it's just a matter of ignorance as well and trying to be able to educate these people and explaining to them that 
just like physical illnesses, which are taken very seriously, I think, most of the time. You know, if, if someone were to break their leg, you wouldn't just say just to walk it off. Yeah, the same yeah, thing should yeah. be said if, if someone's feeling quite severely depressed um, and they need that help, that, that help and that support should be provided in the same manner. Do you have advice for our listeners who are young graduates yeah, or like students? Sure. So just specifically, I kind of want to link a few things in there. So... I am specifically in a service line called People and Change within KPMG. And what we do is if the name's not a giveaway, we focus on people and we focus on change. And those are probably the two biggest aspects that you will encounter transitioning from university to work. Admittedly, I was really, really in two minds about it when I got an offer to honours for psych at ANU and then also offered a job after university. And I think just having that choice and thinking about transitioning out of university, which is a very familiar environment for me me now after three years, going into this, the world of corporate life really terrified me. But what I would like to say to people, especially with those who may be struggling with something right now is that embrace change if you can. Um, And that's something that's very difficult to do, obviously in practice. But the reason that I bring that up is because change very much can bring about a lot of opportunities for us um, and be that change in the space of mental health dialogue where we're moving in the positive direction or change in terms of making progress with your mental health if you want to get to a certain point. And then also just making change as well in your situation. Fortunately, there's a lot of research that demonstrates that moving into the corporate world and moving into work full-time after a few years, mental health of university students tends to improve. And so I just wanted to kind of put that as a positive note, right? And really just kind of want to highlight that whether you're struggling through something right now, be wherever you are at this point in time that there is help and people out there that can support you and that you don't need to ever do things alone and despite experiencing really negative experiences in my life I still wouldn't be here without those people around me to support me and it can feel very easy to feel very isolated and feel that you can't speak to anyone but there is always help available and even through organizations there are EAP programs employee assistant programs that offer counseling and so I just really want to say that you're not alone and that there are people to reach out to if you need it. And so take that opportunity to either make that change, be that in the mental health space, be that transitioning from uni to work and just try and really move forward with that growth mindset. And I think you'll be, you'll be okay. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks Izzy for joining us tonight. Yeah. Thanks so much much for having me. It was really great. Thanks for tuning to Dose Wellbeing Show. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Leo signing off. Catch you next time. <laughs>